Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier of Bleacher Report. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Once again, I'm joined by the one and only Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. You can also listen to him on his show, the How About Them podcast. A fantastic listen. I actually had somebody reach out to me this week and tell me how much they loved you on your show. So, oh, nice. Landon, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. Cowboys finally got a nice win. It, it, it's been a, a long time coming. It's nice to actually enjoy a kind of a peaceful Monday. So, just trying to soak it in. Um, this Tuesday edition of the Lockdown Cowboys podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON at MyBookie.ag. So the Cowboys dominate the 49ers on Sunday, blowing them out 40-10. to 10, And for some reason, <laughs> it didn't even seem that close. Uh, the Cowboys put up over 500 yards of total offense. And they really took their foot off the pedal in the fourth quarter. Uh, but the Cowboys had this one from the beginning, very beginning of the game. So I have just one question for you, Landon. Are the Cowboys back? I, I mean, I think that – I mean, back is tough to say. But I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think that they're definitely looking like they're, you know, on their way back to what we associate with the 2016 Cowboys. I think that they started to kind of – figure out the formula a little bit better and, and kind of fine tune some things and it, and it, you know, it paid off in big results uh, this Sunday. And I think, uh, I think, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's still probably not a hundred percent where they were last year, but I think that what, what we're seeing is that improvement over time is going to be where this, this, the, the marking of this team is if they continue to show, the kind of improvement and, and coming together and getting stronger than they're going to uh, feed this all the way into the playoffs. And if not, you know, I mean, you know, I think we'll see exactly a little bit better uh, test next week when uh, we play Washington to see whether, whether this is a permanent thing or is it a two steps forward, one step back situation. But I tend to think that what we saw on Sunday uh, hopefully will be kind of, you know, what the, what they should be looking for as the blueprint from here on out. Right. So today we're going to just kind of review a little bit about the game. And then on Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to take our all 22 look uh, from the offense and the defense side of the ball. And then Friday, we'll get you guys prepped for the Redskin game. But let's go ahead and talk about that Cowboys offense a little bit. Like I mentioned before, 500 yards of offense, 40 points. I believe this was the fourth straight game with at least 28 points. 
Uh, Dak Prescott was pretty much flawless in this game, threw for 234 yards, uh, passed for three touchdowns, had ran for another. Ezekiel Elliott ran for 147 yards. Uh, the team had 265 yards on the ground. More importantly, Cooper Rush got on the field, and I think we need to have a conversation whether there's a quarterback controversy in Dallas, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's over at this point, right? He's 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 won the job. Yeah, that's he over Kellen Moore. That's that's. Oh what we yeah, mean, I've, I've been course, over right? Dak, but yeah, but no. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're both leaders of the Cooper Rush fan club, sure. but that's not where we're talking no. about. So, uh, just some of your overall thoughts on the Cowboys' offense. I mean, this this was one of the best performances that we've seen from them in quite some time. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I think what it is is that they finally kind of figured out what they wanted to do with the offensive line. I, I think that it's, um, uh, you know, look, I think you and I have been have been talking about Chaz Green for a long time, and, and basically the reason we decided that is because he's a better player, I think, than Cooper is. But but mm-hmm. the problem is is that you know you if you can't rely on Green to be healthy. You can't rely on him to really develop at a, at the guard if he's not going to be healthy. Um, they liked what Cooper does when he's in there, except that he the 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 real issue with him is then that he can't really manage to get to the second level in zone plays very well. Uh, you know, especially in the wide, especially zone. in wide zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And um, and it's and that's a problem. Um, so I think what they've decided is to kind of bite the bullet and lean into the idea that, okay, you know, maybe we'll just, you know, run a little bit less wide zone and run some more traps and more power and more, you know, gap stuff. And they did, and, and they had a lot of great success. And, uh, I think that that's ultimately, uh, what you're starting to see a little bit more is you're starting to see Cooper coming around the, uh, coming around the tackle or Cooper uh, coming around inside and leading the, the back through the hole or Martin doing that. And I think that that's, you know, they, they found a little bit more success. And I, and I think that it, it's kind of played to what Lale's strengths has been a little bit too. I think Lale, you know, kind of, I mean, I think he can do both, but I think one thing that we've noticed, seen is that he's really good at down blocking. Like, I mean, he, he, he will come down on those guys down the line, uh, and just crush people and give them all kind give his his uh, guys coming around the the end all kinds of room to to operate. So, you know, I think that we saw that obviously Ezekiel Elliott doesn't have any problems running power or, or gap, and uh, you know, I think that this offensive line, the rest of the offensive line that has you know more used to running wide zone, I I think that they they can do both, and so I think at this point they're like, well, let's just let's just play to everybody's strengths. And do this, and and then I think what you saw is what you get. Now, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if that works schematically. I mean, I guess you know, with wide zone, it it, it would mostly anyways. But uh, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see how much that matches up uh, schematically against the teams they have to play. But I think clearly they found something that works for them. They know they can do this, so they might as well ride this, uh, you know, and and make everyone comfortable and and just execute as best they can. Right, so you touched on a lot of great points there, but I want to talk about Ezekiel Elliott for a little bit because this is ultimately the reason why I came around to the Elliott Pickett for because he has no weaknesses in terms of what scheme he has to run. This was a perfect example of the wide zone hasn't been working for them as well as it has in the last 
few years. So they switched to more of a man-blocking, down-blocking scheme, and he's fantastic in it. So the ability for them to switch uh, you know, between man and wide zones, not just between games, but in series, uh, back-to-back plays, is one of the reasons why the Cowboys will still have one of the best rushing attacks throughout the rest of the season. And we talk about this all the time. It, it really takes about a good six weeks before the offensive line really starts to gel together. Uh, I think you're just starting to see um, Ezekiel Elliott and those guys get in rhythm. So a lot of great points for you right there. We're going to talk about their red zone offense for a little bit. We touched on it last week, but once again this week they were phenomenal. Uh, before the backups came in, they had 11 straight possessions in the red zone that uh, ended in touchdowns. Uh, we saw it again this week. They were able to throw the ball to Dez on uh, basically a slant. They were able to run Ezekiel Elliott in the red zone, and they were able to run Dak uh, out of the spread and out of the read option. They are just one of the most impossible teams to stop when they get inside the 20 because they can do three things really, really well. Do you have any real quick thoughts on the Cowboys' red zone offense in this game? Yeah, I mean, it's... What was it? I think ten straight drives in a row that they got eleven straight oh, drives. Eleven straight drives. They actually had it wrong. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, I think yeah. I think the the thing is is that yeah, with the read option, with with the weapons they have, with Dak himself and with Zeke. It, I mean, and and then you know, like like you put put it out there on Twitter, with Dez probably the best red zone wide receiver in the NFL. And I man, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. He's in the conversation for best red zone wide receiver in NFL history. I mean, he, I mean absolutely. Like, I mean, the guy, the guy's already tied the Dallas Cowboys receiving touchdown record. And I, you know, I have to think that, you know, those the, our, our team records for receiving touchdowns have got to be close to a lot of other teams around the league. So, I, you know, he's just so good at it. And I think when you combine him with two other guys who are each their own huge red zone threats uh, in Deke in Deke <laughs> in Zeke and Dak um, hey, that's a good nickname for him I like Deke, it yeah I like it too uh, I, I think that I, I think uh, you know it, it makes it really difficult to defend and especially when you add in the element of the RPO it it, it, it basically makes them wrong no matter what and, and um, you know I, I just think that it's it's such a uh it's such a disadvantage uh, once, and I, and I think that's you know if you want to talk about where the Cowboys uh, will make their hay going into the into the future, I think when you look at the way their red zone defense plays and the way their red zone offense plays, that's something that you can really hang your hat on. Like mm-hmm. the defense overall is not fantastic, obviously, but they really tighten up when they get in the red zone. And the Cowboys' offense is pretty good overall, but they get even better when they're in the red zone. And and uh, that's that you know converting on, in red zone uh, when you're on offense is a huge part of having a playoff uh, uh, caliber team. All right. So really quickly before we talk about my bookie, I'll, I'll eat a little bit of crow. Uh, we, Jason Witten had a nice catch up the seam. I, I was criticizing him the past couple weeks because I didn't think he could do that anymore. He jogged up the seam very nicely, had a nice one. Oh, no, come on. Don't half ass. <laughs> do the full crow. Don't just eat around the wings. Come on. He ran a, it, it, he ran it, a was, it was fine. It, he, he, shook the, he shook the defender completely out of his pants and was... And, 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 and still didn't create any separation. And it, it didn't even create a He created enough separation, separation to catch that ball. To have to like All reach right. out and catch a one-handed pass. So I think he's fine. 
You know what is really fine is my bookie. My bookie has been in this business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, you're making money for doing absolutely nothing, and they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, just two business days. That's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go on the go a breeze. If you join now, my bookie will match your deposit with an up to 100% cash bonus. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So, I want to talk a little bit about that defense. Sean Lee returned to action. I think it's pretty clear that he's not 100%, but it didn't even matter. His presence alone on the field was enough to elevate the rest of the defense. I know a couple of people got worried that he hurt his hamstring again. He actually tweaked his quad. I think he has a quad bruise. But Stephen Jones said today that he should be fine for next week. Uh, what did you see from Sean Lee and actually the, the rest of the linebackers? Because we might have saw our best game from Jalen Smith so far this year. So just give me your takes on these Cowboys linebackers. Yeah, I mean, I think overall they they, they played they played really well. Um, I think that you know that's closer to uh, what you would expect. I mean, they still were giving up a lot of yards per carry uh, overall. But uh, you know, look, I, I think. They were giving up a lot of yards per carry last year, you know. I, I mean, I, I think the, the the key thing about stopping the run on this defense is really having the offense put the game out of reach so that they they can't run the ball really anymore. So, um, I think that is that is about what our run defense looks like. Really, is is I mean, I think that that's I guess just to, to qualify where it's supposed to look. I mean, that's kind of where it, it is, and I think that. Um, you know, this this defense really shows you what it's supposed to look like when they get a chance to play from ahead, and um, mm-hmm. and this and clearly they just look more comfortable. They're able to, to to create turnovers. You know, they aren't Seattle. I mean, they aren't the defense that is gonna uh, you know be relied upon to make multiple plays in a game to try to win it for you. Yeah, they can make they they if you need them to, they can probably make a play. If you need them to make two plays, they can probably do that. But if if they're playing in a situation where the offense still is two dimensional, um, they're you know for long periods of time, this defense is not really necessarily built to to uh, you know shut that down. But when you how get, could they improve on that though? Resources. there's just they I mean, look. They don't they don't invent. Look, I think people want. If you want to have, I know you want to talk about this Marinelli, no, I, uh, no, 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 Rob no. Ryan but, discussion that we saw on Twitter, though, because I, I, you made some good points on that. Well, I actually okay, wanted to touch I, on I will, that. But really I will, I, but I won't get into that whole thing. But I, I, I will give the ten thousand foot view. The problem is expectations. The problem is, is that the Cowboys have decided to build their team offensive heavy, and then build their defense to be able to react to their offense playing well it's it's a team concept it's not a concept for trying to make the defense the best unit in the in the league and trying to make the offense the best unit in the league because the problem when you do that is that you're you're fighting over resources in a way that is not team you know cohesive and then eventually when one side fails you or whatever it 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 does there's no like 
set blueprint for how you're trying to win games. The Cowboys know how they want. They have a very clear picture of how they want to win football games. And they have the team built the way they want in order to do that. If you want this team to be, uh, you know, a team that has like a top five defense or uh, a team that is like the Bears defense that we've seen, you know, where it's like that's the whole thing of the team. Look at look at look at those the other like the offenses that are associated with some of the best defenses in the league. They're they're roundly they're most mostly terrible, and the ones that aren't terrible are the ones that are lucky enough to have like you know Seattle where they where they had uh you know they, they, it's just a system at this point, and they're still kind of you know now that they played played Russell Wilson, it's starting to crumble a little bit underneath their feet in the offensive line. It's still a very, very average. It's still a very average offense. But if you look at Jacksonville, you look at Chicago, I mean, these are, these are teams that still have offense and very much in transition or, you know, problematic. And you can say what you want about the quarterback situation, blah, 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 blah. But the point is, is that you can't, you can't dump a bunch of resources into both offense and defense anymore. It's just not possible with the salary cap the way it is, and with 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 quarterback salaries the way they are too. And I think that you know this got into a larger question, a larger answer. But I think that ultimately what the Cowboys have done is they've accepted the league as it is, and they've made, they've developed a plan for how to survive the league the way it is. And I think you're right. If you look at the numbers, it does look like Rob Ryan. But at the same time, we gave Rob Ryan a f- top top ten draft pick, a fifty million dollar cornerback, and he also had several other cornerbacks. Plus, he also had Demarcus Ware and Anthony Spencer and mm-hmm. Jason Hatcher Absolutely. all at the same time, and he was putting these same numbers. So that's disappointing because you have all of that, and you still can't manage to get it going. What's going on with 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 Marinelli is he's doing what he can. They've th- they've dumped investments into it, but the problem is is that a lot of them, including Randy Gregory, other other ones, for for one reason or another that are outside of the, the their play, outside of their evaluation, have had issues. So I th- look, I didn't want to get into this whole uh, being defensive to Marinelli, but I, I have to you have to take the team. As they as they are and how they're trying to win, they just don't spend on the defensive side the way that they spend on the offensive side, and that's because that's the way the team has been built on purpose. Right, and I want to. I, I mean, I agree with all those points, and I want to just give a little caution to the people that are concerned about this defense. Sean Lee has played in four games this season. In three of those four games, they've held teams to under 17, 17 or fewer points. And in the one game against Denver, everybody played poorly. So, like I've been saying on this podcast all season long, as long as Sean Lee is on the field, they've got a very, very good chance to be, at worst, an average defense. So, I'm not concerned about him. And actually, I think this defense, long term, has the potential to be a team that can actually get more stops because of their pass rushers. You're seeing now with Demarcus Lawrence, it wasn't a fluke in those first two or three, four games that he was putting up monster numbers. He is absolutely the war daddy that the Cowboys have been looking for. And I know some people hate when we use that term, but I mean, is there three better defensive ends in the league playing right now? I mean, I don't think so, Probably right? Probably not currently. I mean... And, and David Irving's a fantastic number two. I mean, he's playing his way into probably a big contract in a couple of years. So, I, I I just think they might have they might have the horses 
at the end of the season to actually be a Super Bowl caliber team on both sides of the ball if they can kind of survive this tough stretch that they're going to be going through in the next couple of weeks. It's going to challenge them. They're going to play some really good teams. But I really do believe this team is maybe they've got the pieces to be what what the the Super Bowl caliber teams need to have in in January. So deep breath. Let's talk about <laughs> something else that's a little bit more depressing. Uh, we're going to spend a couple minutes on this. Um, on Sunday, uh, on his second extra point kick, Dan Bailey pulled his groin. We the details are kind of shaky about what actually happened. But it sounds like from the couple of people I've talked to, he's going to be out closer to six weeks than two weeks. Um, so the Cowboys are going to be looking at kickers. I believe they're going to be trying out some kickers on Tuesday uh, afternoon. We want to talk about some uh, about how this might affect the Cowboys' overall offensive philosophy. Do you anticipate the Cowboys being a little bit more aggressive with uh, without Bailey over the next few weeks? Yeah, I mean, I do, just because I think that, you know, you know, normally they they felt they feel pretty confident about their ability to play a game tight. When, whenever things are going tight with 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 game with teams that are more, um, you know, kind of in their weight class, you know, they have a confidence that if things get tight, that they as long as they can keep them close, they can win the game at the end because of their you know their level of preparation in the two minute four minute offense, and of course their kicker. Uh, who they feel like is is extremely reliable and you know automatic. Now, when you take away the kicker out of the equation, yeah, I, I kind of do think that uh, that now they may take a slightly more chances, knowing that you know it's maybe not the best situation to get into a tight game near the end where they have to rely on a kicker to close a game out. Um, I think that what you know, I don't know how that will necessarily manifest itself in game right away, but I think that you know the kind of thing you're talking about is is maybe taking more uh, shots on fourth down. Maybe you know, I mean, I think the obvious ones are you know when you think about uh, situations where you would normally send Dan Bailey out there to kick a 50 yard field goal, or you know, like if it's fourth and four or something, you may think about going for it or. You know, I, I think those are obvious, but I think also beyond that too, just in game, knowing you know how you're dealing with the rhythm of the game, dealing with the you know, okay, well, can we maintain this? Can we keep it close and then uh, have our kicker come out in here and and finish in the last minute? Well, I, I don't feel as confident about that now, so maybe I, I feel a little bit more inclined to be aggressive on this play call or uh, uh, fake punt or, you know, just it, it's, it's tough to quantify. I mean, it's easy to quantify like, Oh, I, I'm not going to kick kick a field goal here, but it's uh, going for it. But I think there's also a level of, of, uh, of aggressiveness that might bleed its way into other elements of the game. Just, you know, regular throughout the game play calling. Yeah. So I'll actually take it another step further. I've seen some of these names that they're going to work out. Uh, a couple of them include Mike Nugent, Sam Irwin Hill. Um, I, if I was the offensive coordinator and the head coach, I would do the best job that I can to completely take that kicker out of the game unless you absolutely needed it. I mean, if you need a field goal you know, late in the game with no time left, that's when I'm using the kicker. But as for these extra points, I've 
I've watched a ton of football this year to know that these guys are shaky on extra points. I have a lot more faith in the Cowboys being able to convert from the two-yard line with either you know handing the ball off to, to Zeke or letting Dak scramble and make a play or just keeping it on his own read, that they can do that probably at a, at a higher percentage than the kicker can actually make an extra point. And to that point, you actually don't even need to be at the same percentage. All you got to do is be around 50% on your two-point conversions to make it a worthwhile trade-off. But uh, I would love to see the Cowboys be a little bit more aggressive on you know fourth and three, fourth and four. I think early in the game they had another one of these chances. I think it was another fourth and two or fourth and three from the 45-yard line. I know that's not when you're typically going to kick the ball, but that's a chance I would like to see the Cowboys be a little bit more aggressive and show that you know they are truly one of the best offenses in the league right now. I don't think anybody can take that away from them. I want to see them impose their will a little bit more, and I think the next couple of weeks may give them the opportunity to do that. Do you have any comments on that? No, I mean, I think that, you know, like I said, I think that it gets weighed into the equation um, and it will – it'll show itself in ways that we probably, you know, aren't thinking about at the time. But I do think that, yes, that it, it will affect the team in the short run. You know, who knows how long this even is for? You know, I mean, it could be for two or three weeks. It could be for a month and a half. Um, so really it's, it's, I think you just weigh it into the equation of when you're balancing out the, the game plan for the, the opponent that week. And, and I think you just say, Okay, well, this week we got to remember we don't still don't have Dan, so uh, you know maybe more likely to push the ball downfield on third and such and such. Or, you know, I think I just think that it'll just become part of the equation each week that he's missing uh, as to which as to whether they, or not they are more aggressive on uh, you know longer down situations. Are they more aggressive on fourth and greater than two? You know those sort of situations. Really quickly about. 30 seconds left. I want to just talk about Jeff Heath. What a job by Jeff Heath yesterday. Not only did he make the two extra points, he did miss one, but he did a fantastic job kicking off. I, they, they were actually better kicking off with Jeff Heath this season than they were with Dan Bailey, partly because they forced teams to take the ball, you know, out from the one five yard line in Cowboys defense or Cowboys special teams did a fantastic job uh, stopping them. Kudos to Jeff Heath. Uh, I I would have never expected that from him. Do you know who the Cowboys' third option was at kicker? LP Latasur. Yeah, that would have been something, wouldn't it? That really would have been. I, I mean, I think that. Uh, it, I guess my question is, who snaps? Like, like <laughs> Frederick. Frederick is that who it was that said? But I, I I did hear that Cooper is another option that he he's had experience doing it before. So I I'm not exactly sure, but I'm I would probably guess that Frederick would be the one that was doing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, any opportunity to give Cooper a chance to be starting at something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, can can I can I mention really quickly? About oh wait, you Chris met Jonathan Jones Cooper, a lot didn't of, you? Did, a did lot you of people jo- ask me about Chris Jones. Oh. Okay. They asked me why why wasn't Chris Jones the the kicker. Well, because he's the primary holder. They don't really have another guy that is yeah, but, used to that job, and you really don't want to switch that up, though. But that didn't – okay, I, that's that makes sense. But that didn't explain to me why he wasn't kicking off. Like, I don't understand the kicking the, – why – That's a good point. I still don't understand well, why Chris Jones wasn't kicking off. I have a theory that the Cowboys should just use Jeff Heath all the time on kickoffs <laughs> because now you get an extra – you you get an extra guy that's used to making tackles out there, you know. Instead of having ten guys defending it, you can have eleven. Yeah. Well, I I yeah 
I, I've seen Chris Jones tackle too. So <laughs> he's, he's pretty good. That's a good point. He, <laughs> he did have the best hit on special teams last year. That's it for today's show. This edition of the Locked on Cowboys podcast was brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Get into all the action with MyBookie where they'll match your deposit with an up to 100% bonus. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Hit us up with a five-star review. Leave a review and your Twitter handle, and you'll be eligible to win a free Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. We'll be back on Wednesday after Landon and I dig into that all 22 22 tape, providing that Game Pass works for us. But we'll be back to talk about the offense on Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.